Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today, or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex, and welcome to the new Jesus. Um, I'd like to remind you of a couple of things we've talked about before we start this session. I ended last week saying, uh, okay, that was part three on love, and there might possibly be this week a part four, but I wasn't sure yet. Well, yeah, this is part four this week, all right? So, before part four, and I believe the last part of an anatomy of love, I wanted to remind you of just a couple of things. Why in the world am I spending four parts on, on love? I mean, everybody knows about love already, right? Love, 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 yeah, love, love. Well, no, I don't think they do. Um, I don't think they do know all about it because it seems there's such, so much more fear than love out there in the world and all these social issues and, and everything. I, I think maybe we have a head knowledge of love, but not a heart knowledge that would cause us to experience it and be able to put it into action. Some of it also is a devolution of our beliefs, thoughts, and emotions over thousands of years. And I'll talk about that in a, in a separate teaching. But just to review a little bit, Time Magazine, very recently, stress, we're stressed higher than we've ever been. Everybody knows it. It's no surprise anymore. It's old news. Psychology Today, what really matters? It's love. We all know it, but how do you do it? We all want it, but how do you do it? Uh, I, I've talked with a few people who told me, no, nah, I don't really want love, you know, when I ask about something like that. But then what I found out is they've been hurt horribly. They've been burned so bad by love that they're scared of it. It's not that they don't want it. It's that they don't think they can have it. They've tried and it hadn't worked. So now they're just trying to protect themselves. Okay. Um, Southwestern University Medical School and Medical Center from 2004 
uh, headline news that um, that that illness, disease, traumas are passed down from generation to generation in the sperm and in other research also from the RNA. And um, they're saying when we figure out how to do this, how to change these memories that cause cancer or heart disease or, di or diabetes or ALS or some neurological thing or anxiety or depression, some mental or emotional thing, um, how do you fix it? I mean, wh where does it come from and how do you fix it, okay? Um, well, I believe we know the answer, and I've referenced this before too. A study out of Denmark, uh, over 10,000 participants, I think it went for uh, many, many years, maybe like 75 years, 25 years, something, long time, something like that, okay? And what they found is that if your relationships are conflicted, that you have a 300% greater chance to get an illness or disease and die by middle age. Not old age, middle age. If your relationships are harmonious and good, you have a 300% less chance of dying of a disease by middle age and you have a 300% greater chance to live to old age happy, healthy, and successful. Um, I don't really know of, uh, <laughs> of anything better than that. Um, I don't know of anything more dramatic than that. I've been reading these kind of studies for a long time, and I gotta tell you, 20% is news, 50% really significant, 100% is, is uh, stop the presses, 300%, I've never seen one single factor make a 300% difference in whether you get an illness or disease and die before you're supposed to. Not one single factor. But now I have. And now we know there is. And what is it? It's the state of your relationships. Is there another way to say that? It's your fear versus love continuum. <laughs> if, your, if your relationships are conflicted, then that minus 10 to plus 10 continuum of internal positive or negative energy and stuff if your relationships are conflicted, you're going to be in the negative numbers. Okay? If your relationships are harmonious and good, you're going to be in the positive numbers. Well, what's the difference in negative numbers to positive numbers? Dying at middle age or living to old age happy and healthy. I mean, goodness gracious. And it, and it all comes down to one factor. How are your relationships, or where are you on the fear-love continuum?
minus 10 to plus 10. I looked up some other uh, percentages just to give you a little bit of perspective, okay? Um, if you get, let, let's say if you get cancer, and, and it's bad cancer, last stage cancer, all right? What are the odds of you recovering and healing from chemo or standard medical treatments? And I'm not against those, by the way, but anyway, for breast cancer, your odds are 26% that you'll recover. So there's 74% that this is going to be it for you. For colorectal, 13% chance of success. For non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, 62% chance. My brother's had that one and is still living. Lung, 4%. Testicular, 74%. Bladder, 5%. Uterine, 17%. And different ones have different amounts. If you have heart disease, 22% chance that you're going to live to old age happy and healthy. 78% chance you're going to die young, too young, if you have advanced heart disease. Um... And just cancer overall, the odds are 40% that you'll recover. 60% that you won't. Just any cancer, bad, last stage, late stage in general. All right? Uh, the WHO, the World Health Organization and United Nations, held a joint press conference uh, not long ago and announced that Based on the research, in the next, I think it was 50 years, no, 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 20 years, they are predicting a 50% rise in cancer to epidemic proportions. Okay? A um, couple other percentages you might be interested in. To put in perspective, uh, the the 600% difference in conflicted relationships versus harmonious to your health. 600% difference. 300 to the negative, 300 to the positive if your relationships are good. All right. So the chance to win the lottery, 1 in 292 million. The chance of being hit by lightning, 1 in 500,000. Okay, so your average odds, if you have bad, bad cancer, that you're going to beat it are 40%. Heart disease, 22%. Other, others are different percentages. But the reason we're talking about this, your relationships or where you are on the fear-love continuum, 600% difference between relationships that have a problem and relationships that are harmonious. Now, you can be harmonious and have a problem, but you resolve them, and then you're even closer than you were, typically. Okay, so I just wanted to share that. I mean, I mean that's, that's why this is so big. Uh, there's no other factor 
it makes a 600% difference. Unless you just take a bottle of rat poison and drink it. Or, some, or, or you're hit by a truck or something. I mean, that's the only thing better odds than... And not by, hit by the truck. I mean, the odds of that are pretty long. But taking the rat poison, I mean, that's guaranteed, right? Okay, well, that's more than 600%. But outside of things like that, this is the biggest one single factor, as far as I can find, on planet Earth in the history of mankind. And it's where are you on the fear-love continuum. Okay, so because that is such a big deal, we have a part four for our anatomy of love. Let me grab a drink of water. Please, please, please don't forget these two lists, and especially this one. The grace state. How do I stay in the grace state? Which means I have an outcome guarantee. Number one, commitment to love. And Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I'm right with God. Number two, intention only for good. Number three, do your absolute 100% best and not 1% less. And four, you got it. Prioritize. And it prioritizes number one, relationships and love and invest in relationships every single day, even if it's a 30-second phone call or, or just a love you text or a million other things, taking someone a flower, sending them a card, tons of things you can do for free. Kindness is the easiest. Kindness is the simplest thing you can do that'll make the biggest difference in a person's life in general. Okay? And kindness, of course, comes from the root of love. Alright? So, here's the postulate for this week. Love. The 300% solution. Only it's really 600. 300 to the negative, but if you don't do the negative and do the positive, 300 to the positive. So the difference between if you did the negative to if you did the positive is 600%. Okay. So, here's all four, all right? These are all four of our postulates from the anatomy of love. Number one, a commitment to an intention for good for all concerned and the accompanying action for their best interest regardless of a positive or negative outcome for me. Number two, the secret to love is that nine out of ten people aren't doing it because they're missing the key to it which is submission. Submit one to another. And that's why you can literally measure a relationship. How much are you submitting? Minus 10 would be none. Plus 10 would be completely. Now, you do have to be judicious. I mean, if someone's going to hurt you, you don't submit to them in a way that makes it easy to hurt you. Okay? I know the, I, I know the scripture. Uh, if someone hits you on one cheek, turn the other one. I'm not sure that's exactly what this is talking about. It may be, okay? But in my thinking, it's not good for that person. It's not in that person's best interest to hurt me. It will hurt them to hurt me. So if I'm acting toward them in love, I'm not going to try to hurt them, but I am going to try to keep them from hurting me because that's what's best for both of us. 
I believe, okay? But then if they do hit me, then I can go to the turn the other cheek thing or try to wrap them up so they can't hit me again and then see if I can, you know, take that relationship from conflicted and negative to harmonious and positive. And if I can, I've just made a 600% possibly difference in my health, midlife and later in life, okay? Uh, so they're missing the, the secret key, which is submission. The third part of the anatomy. Empathy plus submission equals love feelings, love thoughts, love beliefs, love energy, and love action. Empathy is to understand and experience another's pain or circumstances. Okay? Submission is to choose the will of another over your own will or their circumstances. If they need something in their circumstances that is not necessarily what's best for you, but it's best for them, I'm going to act to see if I can help them with that, whatever it is, in their circumstances. Okay? So, feeling, understanding and feeling their pain and circumstance, and then submitting myself into their circumstance that's painful to try to make it better and help them and love them and, and, and bear it with them as much as I can. Now, you can't do that with 100 people, probably. You can do it with 50 because they're not all going to have something at the same time, all right? And um, every one, every single person that you do this with creates like a gold nugget, a new gold nugget inside you that is a positive love, joy, peace, uh, de-stressing power source for the rest of your life, okay? So whatever it is, every day do at least one little donation into someone else's life, a donation of love, okay? that comes from empathy and then submission. And then if you do these, love is the 300% solution, which leads to happiness, success, great relationships, and health. The difference in dying early or living long, healthy, successful, and happy. Okay? Okay. What is the circumstantial cascade? I said that 9 out of 10 people, they may answer love, but they aren't doing it because they're missing a part of it. In my experience, they're missing the empathy, they're missing the submission, they're missing the, the fear versus love thing, they're calling fake love real love, they're living love A, thinking they're living love B, okay? Alright, here's the Here's the cascade, if it goes negatively. A circumstance happens that hurts. It can be a physical hurt or a non-physical hurt, emotional hurt, relational hurt, uh, 
job hurt. They cut my salary or they fired me or they didn't pat me on the back like I thought they would or we didn't get the big deal or whatever it is. Um, reactivation of a memory that your unconscious mind determines is fear-based. And remember, it doesn't care if it overreacts. It only cares if it underreacts. If it overreacts, you're alive. If it underreacts, you may be dead. And the prime mandate is to keep you physically alive. So reactivation of some uh, memory, as Southwestern said, memories are the source of all illness and disease, all right? The reactivation of some fear-based negative memory that, that sends a signal to the hypothalamus in the brain which is received as a fight or flight signal. And then the hypothalamus flips the switch. All right. And then what happens? An inward state. Mad, sad, afraid. I'm bad. I'm unsafe, physically or non-physically. Failure. An identity and worth that is negative. All right? So when the circumstance happens, there's hurt, there's reactivation, and then you feel this stuff immediately. You don't ask for it, it just happens. Then you tend to go to love substitutes or habits and addictions. All right? And we talked a whole bunch about habits and addictions and uh, uh, how we get in this feed negative feedback loop and can't seem to get out. All right? Well, this is sort of how that develops and then is reinforced over time to the point that sometimes it is almost impossible to get out. All right? So habits and addictions, then a negative feedback loop that keeps those habits and addictions going. So you just keep going through this. Then another circumstance hits. Hurt, reactivation, the negative inward state, and then back to that habit or addiction. And eventually, if you keep doing this, It'll get, away from the, it'll get away from being the circumstance or even the hurt. You'll just go straight to habits and addictions because they feel good, at least for a few minutes, or they distract you from feeling bad for a few minutes, okay? So once you get here, you're going to tend to just go back here, right here and stay there. Negative feedback loop. All right. Well, what's so bad about that? The result of that is virtually always unforgiveness toward yourself, others, God, uh, you not forgiving them, them not forgiving you, some combination, one of the above, or maybe more than one, all right? But the result of this tends to be 99.9% .9 of the time unforgiveness about somebody somewhere, some circumstance, some situation. Now you're in big danger. Why? Because as we judge, we will be judged. We will be forgiven as we forgive which insinuates, if I do not forgive, I may not be forgiven myself. What does that mean? Could mean I'm not in the grace state anymore. 
Could be I could be I've left God and aren't even really aware I've done it. Or maybe I just get so far away, like that radio-controlled airplane we were talking about earlier with the faith tether. I've just it's just sort of happened. I haven't intended it. We just slid further and further over, and now I can't can't seem to get back. Okay? So that is the circumstantial cascade from a negative perspective. If what is chosen is the low road, the fear path, the what's in it for me, seek pleasure, avoid pain. All right, but what happens if the circumstance happens, I feel hurt, I have reactivation, and maybe I experience the negative inward state, but I kind of catch myself and say, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. I know where that's going. I'm I'm not going there. And so we immediately turn, give it to God. Remember the 15-minute thing, the five-second rule, the uh, uh, Lord, I would be delighted to obey you in this. And when that happens, uh, Jesus moves to the forefront of my life, according to Oswald Chambers, and the life of Jesus manifests in my physical body. So, if we're going down this same cascade, but we get to here or here, and I, I stop that, and I choose God, wait on the Lord, I immediately, in five seconds, turn, Lord, help me. I've got this pain, I've got this hurt, I've got these hurts, please help me. I want to give this to you and give you control. And I'm going to wait 15 minutes and I'm going to go to that the the throne room and repent and confess and please help me. Then you tend to not go to habits and addictions. You tend to just do the love joy peace based next thing. You're not in a negative feedback loop. You have forgiveness instead of unforgiveness. And what does that mean? It means instead of dying in middle age from an illness or disease, chances are you're going to live to old age happy and healthy. So what's the science behind this? Okay, Because in this whole thing, we're combining spirituality, psychology, philosophy, medicine, biology, physics. What's the science? All of nature, humans, animals, plants, space, everything, everything, all of nature. Here's the rule. Amplitude plus frequency equals outcome. That's it. Um, I have something here I wanted to show you. This is a uh, frequency counter from Radio Shack. Can you see Radio Shack on there? Maybe, maybe not. Anyway, it's a pretty cool thing. I uh, The batteries are dead, but anyway, uh, I've carried this thing with me all over the world for 16 years, I think, okay? Um, and, and all this is, is a frequency counter. You put the antenna next to something, push a button, and it gives you the frequency in hertz. 
And I can do that with my skin or with a book or with a screen or uh, with a piece of clothes or this camera or anything, anything, okay? Well, what is a frequency? It's specificity. It's specificity. And if you have a Hertz frequency, a scientist who knows that field can say, oh, that's a, that's a, um, that's a certain kind of rock. Look at another frequency. Ha <laughs> ha! The chicken! That's the frequency of chicken. Look at another one. Oh, that's a skin cell. Look at, okay, you, you get the idea. Everything that exists has a specific frequency that's unique and different from other frequencies, okay? Well, so do love, joy, peace, fear, anxiety, worry, unforgiveness, or forgiveness. Those have frequencies too. It doesn't mean that they are a frequency. They aren't. They are love, joy, or peace. The frequency is just an identifier. Like this is the size screw that, that goes in this bin in the hardware store. It doesn't go in that bin. Those are larger. It goes in this bin. Okay? Well, all of the emotions, all of the feelings, all of the thoughts, the spiritual issues we're talking about, they all have a specificity. Okay? Uh, that, that the body and other things in nature recognize immediately. All right? By that specificity. Amplitude is power. So really, everything in the world, your health, your thoughts and feelings, your relationships, your job, everything, uh, a tree growing, a volcano, a hurricane, rain, sunshine, everything that exists in this world that God made has an amplitude and a frequency. Okay? Um, if, you, if you put me, Alex Lloyd, into a boxing ring with, let's say, uh, Muhammad Ali in his prime, and uh, I kind of grew up as a little kid with Muhammad Ali in his prime. Okay. One frequency, one specificity is Alex Lloyd. That's who I am. One specificity is Cassius Clay or Muhammad Ali. That's who he is. All right? And when it comes to boxing, <laughs> I also have an amplitude, which means a power, which is how hard I can punch, that my skill as a boxer, which is like below zero, you know, those kind of things, all right? Well, what do you think Muhammad's amplitude was as a boxer when he was like in his prime? <laughs> oh gosh, the, the Ollie Shuffle, and he was fast as lightning. We've never seen anybody like him at, at, at that time. And it's so sad, those years of his that were stolen away. Um, but anyway, anyway, what we're talking about is specificity and power, okay? So, you can have, uh, that's one thing that the test we talked about, the X factor and the true you. Like, um, anxiety would be frequency. That'd be a frequency. 
Amplitude would be how bad your anxiety? Minus 10 to plus 10. Ah, uh, it's about a minus four. Okay, then your, um, the frequencies, anxiety, the amplitude is minus four, which is a pretty powerful anxiety. Okay, what about joy? Ah, yeah, I'm good at joy. I've got joy to like a plus seven. All right, frequency, joy. Amplitude, plus seven on a positive scale, top 30%. On the anxiety that we talked about before that, minus four on a nine point scale to the negative, all right, that's about 40%. No, it doesn't work that way mathematically. Yeah. But anyway, you, I think you get the idea. I was always terrible in math, all right? So forgive me for that. But anyway, everything is frequency and amplitude. Your thoughts, your feelings, concrete stuff, food, people, uh, stars, space, everything, all right? And the reason I wanted to share that with you is it's really... The way God did it is really simple. It's not that complicated. It's just he's the only one that has the power to do it. I mean, I can say, let there be light. But you, you know nothing tends to happen when I do that. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Why? He had the amplitude to do it. He had the power to do it. All right? So you need both to, to, to have the right thing in your life, to not die in mid-age of a disease you never should have gotten in the first place, to have the life we want. You need the right specificity, love, not fear, joy, not hopelessness, peace, not anxiety. But you've also got to have enough power so that it can do its thing. If you have, if you have uh, joy, but your joy on a zero to 10 is one, 10 being maximum joy, you don't have enough power. Yeah, you want the right thing. Joy is a great thing to want, but you don't have the power to get joy in the way that you need it and would like it. You need more power. All right, well, where does the power drain come from? We have 100% energy available to us every day, or we're supposed to. Imagine this is 100% energy for me today to do everything I need to do, even surprising things that might come up. Well, what if half of this, what if this is only half full when I wake up in the morning and the day starts? means I've got half enough power to do a whole day's full of work. Which means I'm not going to get stuff done, or I'm going to be exhausted at the end, or make mistakes, or all of the above. Alright? Or maybe my specificity is wrong. I'm, I'm going for love A because that sounds and feels like what I've known as love, but it's not. It's not love at all. It's fake love. It's what's in it for me, selfishness. It's self-interest. So I've got to learn that truth, understand it, and then shift from 
Love A, fake love, what's in it for me, to a different specificity, love B, which is a completely different, different definition than love A. Unconditional love, win-win-win for everyone concerned, etc. Alright? Okay. We went through the cascade if it's a negative. What if it's a positive? Circumstance happens. Hurt. I'm disappointed. Instead of going to the negative inward state. Mad. Sad. Afraid. Unsafe. Bad. Don't measure up. Failure. Okay? Instead of that, I experience disappointment. Well, wait a minute. How can I just choose to experience disappointment instead of all those other things that are so much worse? Well, either God has to heal that or I need to use some manual things like we are doing here to go in there and change those lies and untruths to the truth so that and when that happens, those negative things will get less and the positive will get more. Um, it's love and fear are on a string. If love goes up, fear goes down. Fear goes up, love goes down. But it's the same with joy. They're on a string too. Joy up, uh, sadness, hopelessness, helplessness down. Sadness up, joy down. Anxiety up, peace down. Peace up. You know the thing in energy? Energy's never destroyed. It just changes form. Okay? Ice to water. Water to steam. Um, wood to fire. Fire, heat. Uh, you can't destroy energy. It just changes form. So we really don't even have to get rid of the mad, sad, bad. We don't even have to really get rid of that, although I think it works faster if we do both, so I endorse that. But in a perfect world, we really wouldn't even have to address that. You just focus on creating joy, peace, patience, and also the Holy Spirit releasing that in us, as Scripture says it does, because love always wins against fear. And fear is the absence of love. And perfect love, as we know, drives out fear. Okay? Alright? So, to go from mad, sad, and all that, to just disappointed, in most cases, some things have to be healed or changed. But, let's keep going disappointed, but then you actively choose. No, 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 no. I'm not going to let this take me to a negative place. Father, I want to give this to you. Please take it. Jesus, please move to the forefront of my life, manifest in my physical body. Let me be compelled by the love of Christ, as Paul says. Okay? So, choose love and truth. Get back on the high road track. I'm now out of danger because I never developed unforgiveness. Or as soon as I recognized it, I gave it to God, He took it, and now that's not there. What is there is forgiveness. And then, moving on up.
to the next stage in my life. Just wanted to uh, read a few scriptures here. Um, I've been told by scholars, uh, the Bible says 365 times, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Way more than any other emotion or anything like that. Um, love, uh, over 600 times in some translations, 800 times in other translations, 1,000 times in a couple of translations. So basically... Fear has more references in Scripture than any other negative emotion, thought, anything like that. Love has the most of any positive and twice as much many as fear. So what does God say about love? I'm not going to do 1 Corinthians 13 because we all know that. 1 Corinthians 16, do everything in love. Psalms 143, let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. Colossians 3, let love and faithfulness never leave you. 1 John 4, and so we know and rely on the love of God for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Ephesians 4, be completely humble and gentle, be patient bearing with one another in love. 1 John 4, 19. We love because he loved us first. That's a huge one to me. The love I love you with is his love that he gave to me so I could share with you. If I'm not connected to him, man, I may have nothing for you. It's good. Romans 12. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Uh, that's a key one, too. Love must be sincere. That's love A versus love B. People who do love A, it's not sincere. They're doing it to get something for themselves. Uh, 1 Peter 4, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Ephesians 3, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. John 15, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Be de Romans 12, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And I could read on and on and on and on and on. I've not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Something to think about. It's where I'm going to end, this week anyway. To me, this kind of says it all. Gandhi, uh, one of my heroes... Uh, and my favorite quote of Gandhi's. When I despair, I remember that all through history, the way of truth and love is always one. There have been tyrants and murderers, and for a time they seem invincible, but in the end, they always fall. Think of it. Always. Mm. And the Apostle Paul. 
Paul tells his readers in Romans that love is the fulfillment of the law, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is a, uh, a repeat of Jesus being asked, is there a greatest commandment? And he said, yeah, and the second one's just like it. Love God, love your neighbor. All the law, all, A-L-L, all law and the prophets hang on, and as some translations say, are summed up on these two commandments. What does that mean? It means every have to, every obligation, everything that you need to do, should do, have to do, want to do, will do, okay? If you do it in love, you're right. You are declared righteous. Okay? And if you do it in love, you've done the positive cascade rather than the negative cascade. Okay? So what's our final conclusion for four weeks talking about an anatomy of love? Love wins, anything else loses. Have a wonderful, blessed day. What is your choice today? Love wins, anything else loses. And it's your choice today.